Big Sloth. If you're sitting there going, Taylor, you should be grateful. I miss my 20s. No, you don't. What you miss is a time in your life where you didn't have a lot of responsibilities because nobody expected anything from you. <laughs> but do you remember why nobody expected anything from you? Because you sucked. <laughs> That's what everybody forgets about your 20s. You were garbage. Thinner garbage, but you were garbage. <laughs> You have no intuition, no instincts. You can't make decisions, only mistakes. That's why you're thin in your 20s. You don't have a gut to listen to yet. There's no mystic bad feeling under your ribs going, hey, maybe don't date a DJ again. Hobo Radio, the official podcast of HoboTrashCan.com. You can share your thoughts on the show anytime by emailing Joel at Murphy's Law at HoboTrashCan.com. Hi, this is Taylor Tomlinson. You're listening to Hobo Radio, and I've been told I could say anything I want after this, which was too much pressure for me, so I couldn't think of anything. And now, your host miniature dog enthusiast, Joel Murphy. Hello again, I'm Joel Murphy, this is Hobo Radio, and today I am bringing you an interview with comedian Taylor Tomlinson, who just released a new Netflix special, Quarter Life Crisis. Uh, she's also, uh, she was a member of Last Comic Standing. I first saw her on a show, uh, What Just Happened, which was a really great show, uh, with Fred Savage, where they basically did a fake after show for a non-existent uh, show. It was really brilliant, and I really loved it. We talked a bit about it in this interview. So, but definitely really a big fan of Taylor Tomlinson's comedy. This is a really great chat. Uh, we go through her entire career talking about, you know, it's a really interesting story. It's an interesting perspective uh, because she started on the Christian comedy circuit and then kind of made a pivot to doing more traditional stand-up and just that whole her start and her trajectory of her career is really interesting so without further ado here is the interview just a, a quick note as we go into it due to some technical difficulties her very first my very first question and her very first answer were slightly cut off uh, i started by asking her about a stand-up class that she took with her dad when she was a teenager and so the interview is actually going to start in the middle of her answering that question, uh, kind of Mark Maron style accidentally. But uh, so that's what's up. That's why it just kind of goes right into it. Uh, but hopefully you enjoy the interview. It was a public speaker that she was taking this stand up class at a church. And I think he was just like, you know, Taylor's going away to college in a year and, you know, we should like try to make memories or something. So that's kind of how it came about. I mean, I don't even think he thought I was going to take to it. He was just kind of like, I'm funny and you're a great writer. And like, maybe you can write me some stuff and we'll hang out. 
once a week for eight weeks in the car. So I think it was, it was more that than like him going, we're going to be comedians. Like it definitely wasn't, wasn't that at all. Um, and not for me either. I mean, I, I was so afraid and had so much stage fright granted, like everything I did in middle school and high school was like performance based, but a lot of it was like I did band and mock trial and theater and stuff. And so doing stand up and being up there all by yourself is obviously very different. Uh, what, do you remember, like, was there your first joke or like an early joke that you remember kind of like, I, I did it. Like I wrote a good joke. Like, is there any of that you kind of like that? It felt like it clicked. Well, my first Conan set has a joke that I wrote pretty early on. Uh, which is the most like Christian joke I wrote. And the funny thing is I, I wasn't like allowed to tell it in most churches I performed in when I was allowed to, uh, it would crush, but there were like a lot of church comics that I opened for, for example, who were like, "Mm, don't say time of the month. Um, but I, I did a joke about how being an abstinent teenage girl was like way scarier than, you know, being one of my friends who, you know, were more fun and more active, uh, because like, you know, if, uh, whatever promiscuous friend of mine missed her time of the month, she was like, Oh no, I'm pregnant. But if I missed mine, I was like, Oh God, I'm carrying the Messiah. And, uh, that, that was one that, that was like maybe one of the only early ones that made it, um, to, to any sort of like, TV appearance and it was one that I stopped doing for a long time and then kind of like remembered that I had done. And when it still worked, I was like, I mean, all right, it's definitely, uh, it's definitely something I don't hear a lot of comics talking about because I mean, you know, how many of us were actually trying so hard to be abstinent for a lot of our (laughs) teen years. Uh, and what was the, was it just because you talked about menstruation? Was it all of it? Like, what was the kind of like, Christian logic of like why you couldn't tell that joke. I think because it like it refers to people having sex, it refers to a woman having a period. Like just any bodily function was not uh okay. I mean, I think you could maybe make a fart joke, but that was about it. Like any like bodily function or like innuendo just didn't fly in uh in the church circuit (laughs) which is understandable and also you know you could get away with more if you were like you know a 40 something married man with kids who did an altar call at the end of his set but i just wasn't that i was like a young single woman and uh i think you have to be even more careful when uh when you're performing in that space and everybody else is like usually a middle-aged man with kids who's heavily involved in the, in the church. So what were the shows? Were they like their own thing or were they part of something normally? Like, was it, you know, like an event that you were doing comedy at, or was it specifically usually a comedy show? Um, it depended. I mean, I did obviously like a lot of like fundraisers and stuff for, for various things. Um, not even just churches, but like, I don't know, schools and, I was really, really clean. So I did some like, you know, some like shows I'm saying in quotes, uh, (laughs) for what have you, like, you know, business meetings or, or whatever. Um, 
but also like, yeah, there, there are a lot of churches that will do like comedy nights. And yeah, a lot of the time their fundraisers are like anything that raises money for a church is a fundraiser technically to them, I think. So, um, it's hard to, uh, to separate, I suppose, but yeah, I mean, a lot, there's, there is definitely a church market for, for comedy and, uh, it's becoming more and more popular, I think. And, you know, a lot of churches are huge. A lot of them are like playing a theater or something. So. And were there usually discussions like, you know, when you talk about material that you couldn't do, was that something uh, that was just kind of known or were they literally kind of like sit you down before the show and kind of go over what you could and couldn't say? Well, I think the times that people ask me not to do certain jokes, it's just because they'd heard them before and were like, don't do that. Um, like I had opened for the guy who taught that class a fair amount and he was like, don't do that bit. Um, but obviously he had seen it. Uh, and yeah, I don't, I don't know. Honestly, I can't really remember. It was such a long time ago. Like I, th- I think they just have to hear about it. I mean, sometimes they go like, Hey, don't, don't do anything too crazy or, or much like doing a college where if you do a college, they're usually like you know, just be careful. And you're like, all right, well, what does careful mean? And then they'll give you like very specific parameters based on like horrible things that have happened to them with other artists. So, you know, I'm sure there were people who came after me at certain places who (laughs) were like, what can't I say? And they're like, do not refer to your period. We had this one kid, you know? (laughs) Uh, And when you were doing that, was that like, was your mind on being a stand-up, like, is that kind of, you know, I guess I'm just curious, when did it seem like that you were actually doing it versus was it still kind of something you were trying out at that point or were you pretty committed? No, it was definitely something I was just trying out um, for the first, I don't know, I guess like year and a half. And then I went away to college. I graduated, I graduated high school when I was 17 and turned 18 during my first quarter I believe it was a quarter system I went to Cal Poly in San Luis Obispo and while I was there like there's nowhere to do stand-up there um and I just like I just didn't take to the like fun beach culture uh (laughs) that maybe I should have so it just wasn't the right place for me and that was kind of where I was like I really do want to do stand-up and then there were times during the next few years I think once I turned like 19, 20, that's when I was like, okay, I really do want to go for this and try to make a living at this. But before that, I was just afraid. And I was working. Like at one point I was like working two jobs and going to school and doing shows. And I was like, you know, in a serious relationship in college. And I was like, maybe I should just get married and do this on the weekends and be a teacher. And, uh, once I got to like 19, I think is when I was like, I got to be going up as much as humanly possible and and really trying to make this happen. Cause you know, if I don't, then it's my own fault. And did that coincide with kind of transitioning out of the Christian comedy circuit? Like were those, did they go hand in hand or were you still kind of thinking you were going to go up more, but still doing the Christian stuff as well? You know, I had been so active in the church, you know, space. And most of the people who, you know, I guess you could say mentored me early on or like, not even mentored me, but just like gave me advice were saying like, 
you know, you could be this person or you could, you know, do what Shonda Pierce does, like all that stuff. And so I knew that that was available to me and I knew how far you could go with it. And I wasn't sure if that was something I wanted to do. And I was kind of having my own doubts and, and struggling with my own, you know, sense of faith and all that stuff. So I, uh, I really wasn't sure until I turned 18 and I went to a comedy club and saw a show there and was like, Oh, it's, this is how it sounds on all the albums I listen to. Like, this is where it's supposed to happen. Not in like a huge cavernous church. <laughs> um, and so after that I was like, okay. And I had never really written like churchy jokes. Like that one I quoted was the churchiest I'd ever done. Cause I didn't want to just be going in like, you know, Sunday school is weird. I wanted to do things that I could perform anywhere for anybody. So I was really, really clean up until like four years ago. And then I got to a certain point where I didn't want to be considered a church comic. And I don't think I was necessarily because um, I was doing both. And to be honest, I was only doing a church like occasionally. But I got to a certain point where I got fired from a church gig because I had tweeted something with like innuendo in it, which was another joke that ended up on Conan. And I was like, I don't want to live like this. I don't want to be afraid of posting the wrong thing or, you know, saying something too off color and worrying about not being what, you know, these churches think they're hiring, which is this like super devout Christian, which I wasn't sure if I was. So, um, yeah, I think I think I kind of came to it slowly over the years. And even once I was like, I'm not doing churches anymore. I was still getting offers for like a lot of money. So you had to just be like, don't even show those to me. Like I had to tell my team, like you, you can't even bring those to me. It's not worth it. It's not like you just make the money and then go do whatever you want in a club. Like they want you to be that thing all the time. And I feel dishonest, uh, taking those gigs. Was it a hard transition to, to then transition out of it? Like, was it, did it feel like a regression? Like, you know, you kind of had this, uh, like you said, there was some, you know, jobs that were kind of lucrative. Was it, d did it feel like a step back at first or, or how did it feel to kind of transition out of it? No, not at all, because I was doing colleges as well. And I was doing more colleges than I was doing churches. And obviously those pay well enough that you could, you know, not have a day job and still do clubs for little to no money um, while supplementing it with these these college shows. So it, it didn't feel like a step back at all. It felt like a step forward for me because I could finally, I could finally talk about whatever I wanted without being afraid. And, uh, and that opened me up to, you know, new topics that I, I wasn't allowed to touch before. It, was that like, um, was it immediate or was there stuff like, you know, just internally that you kind of like took longer to, to feel comfortable talking about or you were just ready and like the material was there and you were just like, finally. Um, you know, I don't know. I was probably, there were probably certain bits that I was like, finally, I can talk about this. And there were probably bits that I had been doing in church cause they were technically clean, but they were like darker you know like churches don't want to hear you tell jokes about your mom dying like they just don't <laughs> want to hear it and uh you know even comedy clubs that's hard to pull off so <laughs> to uh to be able to kind of go up and and do that kind of stuff 
felt good. And then it did take me a while to get comfortable, like swearing on stage. Cause I, I, you know, I swear in my everyday life and I was trying to hold myself to this standard as an entertainer where it's like, don't rely on shock value and don't be, you know, someone who's going to embarrass your parents. And at a certain point I was just like, dude, this is how you talk. Like, why are you trying to speak differently on stage? And I mean, obviously there's some truth to that. Like you don't want to lean on shock value or swear words and you want to make sure it's clever and, and smart and, and not lazy, but you know, it's all about word choice. And sometimes a swear word is the right word choice. Uh, was there any kind of pushback that you got or, or were people pretty understanding of the the switch? Oh, I got some messages. I, I still get an occasional message that's like, you've fallen so far, you know, <laughs> which or just people trying like the good cop approach where they'll be like, you know, God is still here and, it, you know, he wants you to be correct and that kind of stuff. And uh, I know it's coming from a good place. I grew up in that place. I don't fault those people at all. But when people are like, you know, like one of my best friends is Dustin Nickerson, who's a very funny comic and very clean and who I met doing clubs in San Diego, but also did churches and does churches and um, is a Christian, but is, is not like a Christian comedian by any, by any stretch. And, um, even for churches is probably like a young edgy choice. Um, but he's like, he's posted stuff promoting me when like my special came out and he's even gotten comments from people who are like, Oh, is this the kind of comedy you support? You know, like, oh God. It's, yeah, people are, you know, people, there's crazy people all over. I mean, there's people who comment like all oh, female comedians talk about his sex. Like there's so many backwards people who don't realize they're backwards. Um, but yeah, I got, I certainly have, have gotten some messages of like, I remember when you were like this or you're really not clean anymore, but I've also gotten way more people coming up to me after shows like, Hey, we've been following you since last comic. And like, it's been cool to watch you grow so much and mature and, you know, become so different and, and they're still there. And that feels really good and, and nice that people, um, have stuck with me through, through the years as I've grown up. So, uh, that means a lot more to me. And I definitely get more of that than I do people going like, I thought you were this, you know? Oh God. Uh, was it like a cultural adjustment for you having come from that background to be in comedy clubs and just to be, you know, in that environment? Cause obviously, you know, like you're going to run across comedians that are very far on the other end of the spectrum and are very comfortable talking about whatever. Was that kind of, did that take a while to get used to or, or what was that like for you? Yeah, I think it took a little while to get used to, but I think it was like so good for me because I grew up so sheltered and was so afraid to even entertain the idea of, you know, not being super conservative um, the way I grew up and in the area I grew up in and to to be in this like new world of stand up comedy where you're on a show with, you know, one guy in his sixties and three guys in their thirties and a woman in their forties and like another girl, your age who grew up really differently. Like you just get exposed to a lot of different kinds of people that you have something in common with. So it's easy to connect on a com a comedic level, um, which just opens the door to, to 
be friends with people you you wouldn't have known otherwise. So for me, it was really good to be around different people and different perspectives and help me feel better about my own feelings about faith and doubts and, and struggling with that. Um, and, you know, I think I, I grew up in a way that was like, if you're, if you're an atheist, you're a bad person. And most of the comedy community is just atheists and, uh, <laughs> most of them are really good people. So I was like, Oh, if you can be a good person and, uh, not necessarily be super religious, then maybe I need to question some more stuff. That actually, uh, you know, I actually grew up pretty religious and, uh, grew up in a small town and I kind of had that similar experience. And then, but I think what you were saying is kind of what my experience was too, which is just that like a lot of it is that they just haven't, met a lot of different people and i think maybe if you live in a city or like you go out and you just like interact with some of them because there's still people that i interact with from my hometown that it's just like they're still they just they talk about people that they've never met and they make judgments just sort of never yeah, yeah it's just sort of like they're you know they're afraid of things that they don't even know what they're afraid of because they've never actually met the people that they're terrified of exactly exactly i mean it's the old thing of like anytime people are super like anti-gay marriage and then their kid comes out and then they're like, Oh, actually, let me rethink this. Like it's much easier for people to empathize with people they've been in close contact with and care about on a personal level. Uh, well, you mentioned last comic standing. Uh, what was that experience like for you? Like, what did that do for you? Um, it was fine. It honestly got me a lot of church work, (laughs) which (laughs) I didn't, I didn't necessarily want. I had gone into it, um, saying, you know, they, they did like a background story on like a few people and I was one of them and they really wanted to do the church angle. And I was like, I really don't want to be marketed as like a church comedian. And they were like, Oh, totally. We just, you know, it's cool that you started that way. And I was like, okay, but we're not gonna, <laughs> we're just going to film me performing in a church, but it's not going to be like, I'm a church comedian. Right. And I'm like, no, 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 no. And of course that's absolutely what oh, it sure. was yeah. when it came out. Cause I didn't understand um, how uh, reality shows and lying worked, <laughs> but, uh, but you know, it's fine. It also was like very nice of them to put me on that show. I mean, I made top 10, which was ridiculous, uh, at, you know, 20 or 21 or whatever it was, which is only five or six years ago, but might as well be, you know, 20 years ago at this point, I was so different and so young and, um, hadn't moved to LA yet and hadn't grown in a lot of ways. And, uh, it, it was, it was interesting to be on it because I had grown up watching it and, discovered a lot of comedians through that show because you know everyone and their brother was on it um so being on it was very surreal and very exciting but also very stressful because you're just waiting in a room for hours to go do three minutes and there's cameras all over the place in the green room and you know I've never been outside of San Diego's comedy scene and I have no idea who any of these people are and um I think I just, the first round, I maybe tried to like be social and then I just got too anxious. And by the second and third rounds, I was just like, I'm going to watch Scandal on my phone um, <laughs> so that nobody films me until I'm ready to go on stage. Because it's just a lot. That's like not how you want to prepare to go do a TV taping is to be 
constantly filmed for a few hours beforehand. So it was very stressful, uh, but it was also, you know, again, very exciting. And it was like the first big uh, TV thing I had done. So it was a, it was definitely a mixed bag and it certainly, it certainly helped, you know, the industry be a little more aware of me and it all helps. There's never like one huge thing that does it for you. It's just a slow build of all these different things. So it wasn't like, oh, I got less comic and I made the finals and it changed my life. It was like, okay, cool. Now I can get an agent and uh, and hopefully turn this into some other opportunities and and it's a credit and um, you know all that stuff. And it's funny, your first credit is so important, and then like a few years later, you're like, don't use that credit <laughs> anymore. <laughs> um, everyone has that credit. Uh, so yeah, it was it was certainly a, a mixed experience but also you know very cool and then like what made you decide to move to LA uh just last comic standing I mean I had been doing the college circuit for you know like six months like the first year I did NACA was also the the year that I did last comic so I was doing those things at the same time and the college is paid well enough that I could, I mean, I was living with my parents. So when I came time to move out, I was like, should I move to San Diego or should I just go to LA? And I was past it like a couple LA comedy clubs. Like I was past it. I think like the ice house and the factory. And that might've been it at that point. And I just, once we filmed last comic, I think I moved to LA, you know, a few months later. So like a couple months before the show actually aired and uh, you know, it's, was it too soon? I don't know. I, again, it feels like a long time ago. Um, but yeah, I thought about moving to New York too. And I, I think I just asked a few other comics who were from New York and they were like, you know, a lot of people end up moving to LA eventually for TV stuff. So if you already have, contacts in LA and you're past at certain places, that's probably a better move for you. And it's kind of more close to where you're from. So that's why I, I ended up doing that. Also, who knows? I probably wouldn't have moved to New York and been that far away from my family at that point, but I definitely considered a lot of different options before LA. Uh, well, I do. I want to ask you, cause the first thing that I uh, remember seeing you on was actually the, what just happened. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, uh, which I I really loved the concept of that show. Like that was a. So did I. I loved it. I had nothing to do with creating that show. <laughs> I just, uh, uh, you know, someone in casting saw me at a different thing doing stand up and was like, "You'd be good for this," and went in and you know did some improv with Fred Savage, and then a week later I was filming a TV show with him. So you know, I can take no credit for that show creatively, but I I. And I so rarely get excited about things. Uh, and I so rarely want to even audition for things because I'm such a stand up and so cynical and so hard on myself that I'm like, I'm not right for this most of the time. And this was one thing that I read. I was like, this is so funny and so smart and hilarious. And a lot of people probably won't even get it, which is, you know, sometimes the mark of like a truly genius idea. Were there people that uh, thought that it was real or like took it as genuine? Oh or? yeah, <laughs> I think so. I, I mean, they did such a good job. They, I mean, they made up a fake book series that they based the fake TV show around and then they filmed 
the fake TV show. So there were scenes from the fake TV show with real actors. Oh, no, it was brilliantly executed. Like, no, I I really love that show. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, my God. And it's so funny and just so smart. And like there was an improv element to it as well because of them doing actual celebrity interviews in the middle. Like it was so fun and so funny. And, you know, best coast was the house band, which I love them. And it was just like such a lovely experience uh, working with everybody on that show. Um, And again, something I I just think is so funny and weird and and cool. Uh, I loved it. Yeah, no, that's great to hear because no, I I really loved watching it. Like I I was, yeah, it's, you've never seen anything like that. Like this is such a cool premise. Uh, Yeah. Well, I do, obviously, uh, before you go, I want to talk to you about your, your special. Um, So uh, I was just curious about that, the quarter life crisis. Um, How long did it take to to put that together? Like, when did you start working on that uh, material? Oh, gosh. I mean, when did I start stand up? 16. So nine (laughs) years. Um, You know, I think most of it. I'm trying to think of what the oldest joke in it was from. I think the oldest joke in it I probably wrote when I was like 20. So I guess like six years, you could say. But, you know, there was a lot of stuff that I burned. Um, You know, I burned like the 15 minutes on netflix on the comedy lineup and i had just tried to pack as many jokes into that as possible um and then there were certain things that i had done on late night that i didn't do on this there were some things that i had done on late night that i brought back like it was uh yeah i i think most of it was probably written in the last like three like three four years um but it's hard to tell. I mean, your first special is like the culmination of your entire career so far. So I guess I just think of it that way more so than like this was two years before because there were yeah. jokes in there that were from when I was 20. And then there were jokes in there that I wrote a month before we aired it because a lot happened to me that, you know, felt relevant and um, fit in with the hour thematically. So um, that was not a very concise, clear answer, but there it is. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I got you though. Uh, what's your process like? Are you someone, do you write a lot of it ahead of time? Like, do you work out a fair amount on stage or like, what is that balance for you of, you know, like sort of finding the material? Um, I have to write it out first. I think like so if I riff something on stage, it's because I'm comfortable enough, um, with where, with where it is so far like I usually have to have a few hard punchlines in there before I start like trying to riff or you know try new stuff um I'm very much like a sit down and write it out and practice it in the car on the way to the club type of person and uh I mean how's it felt to to have this special out in the world like are, are you happy with it like did it turn out like you wanted it to has the reception been good how, how does it feel Yeah, I think it did. I mean, I haven't watched it since we finished editing it, which was, you know, back in January, I think. (laughs) Um, So and I never want to watch it again. (laughs) The the clips, the clips I've seen uh, on silent on Instagram and people's Instagram (laughs) stories. I mean, my makeup looks very good. (laughs) I did not do it. Uh, But yeah, I think I think I'm happy with it. I think it represents where I was at in, in my life and my career. And, you know, I, uh, I, I think it came together in 
a way that I'm proud of. And I've been overwhelmed by how nice everybody's been um, and how many people have watched it and, and said nice things. So I'd say I'm happy with it. And uh, I'm excited about the new hour I, I was touring before <laughs> all of this happened. Um, we'll see how that goes, but yeah, I'm, I'm excited to, you know, explore different stuff in, in the new one and get a little more personal and a little darker and, um, you know, just mature as, as a comedian, hopefully. Yeah. I've been trying very hard to ignore the realities of the world that we currently live in and not talk too much yeah, about it. But, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess just as a question, yeah, it's gotta be kind of bizarre, uh, to have the special come out and yeah, like I imagine you probably had a very different plan for what you would be doing <laughs> now. Yeah, and- no, I mean, yeah, the whole year <laughs> is kind of gone and, um, I did one club weekend two days after my special came out. So there were people at the shows who had seen the special, but it, it certainly hadn't been, you know, seen like it has been now. I mean, and again, I haven't been going anywhere. So when people are like, is it crazy now that you have a Netflix <laughs> special? And I'm just like, I've been home. Like I, I got takeout once and was recognized at that place. And then I, my wifi went out and the guy recognized my voice. So those are the two, like, like, whoa, this is crazy type of experiences I've had post special. But other than that, I've just been at home, like on Instagram going i'm glad all these girls think i'm their spirit animal um i wish i could uh meet any of them in their respective cities but uh yeah it's it's very very strange i i never intended uh to be this active on social media and uh now it's like all we have to gain (laughs) that validation so you know it's a it's an interesting new world we're living in while we wait for live touring to come back well, I'm glad they fixed your Wi-Fi because that. <laughs> oh my God! I know it was such a nightmare. <laughs> uh, well, is there anything uh, I didn't ask about that you do want to mention, or, or anything else? You know, assuming that there is a future <laughs> that you want people to know about, or. Yeah, that's this is like the saddest ending. I'm so sorry that I brought it here. We're like, assuming you have a future, uh, not just in this business, but in general. Uh, no, I think you did a great job. I, I always appreciate when people ask that afterward in case I was like, yes, ask me my shoe size, but <laughs> I, I almost never have anything, uh, that I think should have been asked of me. I think you were very thorough. So I appreciate it. Okay, good. I would have felt terrible if you really wanted to get your shoe size out there and I know, didn't, like, didn't get um, to it. I, I need my wiki feet profile to go up. It's <laughs> part of the plan. Uh, this is my wiki feet tour of this podcast i'm doing (laughs) well thank you so much for doing this it was really delightful to talk uh to you and i really do love the special uh and i hope that you get to do more things in the future oh thank you so much i hope we all get to do more things (laughs) in the future There you have it. Taylor Tomlinson. Really fascinating chat. I, I really thought think that her career trajectory is interesting. Got a little sad at the end, but the, those are the times that we live in. If you enjoyed that, if you want more interviews, go to hobotrashcan.com. If you're looking for more comedians, 
I've interviewed Pete Holmes and Lauren Lapkus about the show Crashing, which obviously has some overlap, especially, uh, you know, he did an episode about doing the Christian comedy circuit. So you can hear me talk to, to Pete Holmes and Lauren Lapkus about that show. I also recently interviewed uh, stand-up Greg Barrent. You can check that out. If you're looking for something, you know, still comedic, but you want to branch out a bit, I have also interviewed Dan Harmon and Justin Roiland and Chris Parnell from Rick and Morty. You can find all those. You can find more interviews at hobotrashcan.com. Go back through the archives. Subscribe. All that good stuff. Uh, thank you so much for listening. And remember, question everything. of Hobotrashcan.com. If you enjoyed the show, please rate or review it on iTunes. Hear more great shows on the Peak Sloth Podcast Network, like this one. 
We Have to Ask. It's the podcast where we answer the question, are you going to eat that? What will you leave behind? Why get out of bed? Will you be our neighbor? I'm Marty. And I'm Jonathan. We're two hosts. Infinite Universes. We, we have, have to, to ask. ask. New interviews every Tuesday. Find us on iTunes or online at wehavetoask.com or with the other great podcasts on the Peaksloft Network at peaksloft.com. <laughs> <laughs>